Hello, Lana. Hello, hello. Where are we at today? Where are we at? Where are we at? Well, we always have these conversations about our sexcapades. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> so, Lori, this is so great. Welcome. Thank you for coming to talk to us all about sex. Um, so, can we call you a sexpert? Yes, you can. Yay! I, oh, I wear that title proudly. Oh, so, yes, excellent. please do. Excellent. <laughs> I want to be a sexpert. We both That's will after this, after this episode. Dr. Lori Brado is here with us. She is the author of Better Sex Through Mindfulness, How Women Can Cultivate Desire. She is a professor at UBC OBGYN department, a registered psychologist in Vancouver, and she holds a Canada Research Chair in Women's Sexual Health and a PhD from UBC. Dr. Brado also appears in the Emmy-nominated Netflix series, The Principles of Pleasure. Turns out that the orgasm gap is even wider than the well-known wage gap. I want to dive in, and I know Lana wants to dive in to, you know, what we know you know a lot about, which is midlife um, sexual relationships, intimate relationships. Uh, so maybe this is a little bit self-serving and maybe uh, I shouldn't be asking this on this, but can you give us an idea when it comes to actual intimate relationships with either a partner or with yourself? What are we expecting in terms of sexuality? But also, why is that important even, you know, to still have it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to still get it <laughs> because that gets rid of the headaches. There you go. You know, I often hear in my own clinic, women say, well, sex ends with menopause anyways. So we're going to pack it in then. And, um, you know, of course that's a myth. We've got so many large population based surveys that tell us that, um, women and people continue to be sexual way past menopause, well into their old age and, and derive a lot of benefits from it feeling alive. It can be a stress reliever. It can be a way to connect with a partner. It can be a way to feel pleasure on your own. If you don't have a partner, there's there's real tangible and documented health benefits of continuing to be sexual physically and, and also emotionally. So the question for me is a when I'm when I'm in clinic is really helping women to look at the question of, all oh, right, how do we work with and overcome barriers like sexual pain or changes in body image or difficulties concentrating. Concentration turns out to be really important when it comes to sex. Like if your mind's elsewhere or you're forgetting what you're doing, <laughs> that brain, that brain body connection is, is severed. Even the loss of like libido, like you're just kind of like, ah, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll just watch TV. And maybe like, so one of the things yeah. we were talking about when it, well, we were talking about the pheromones yeah. and if that had anything to do with it, because I know that those change as you get older. Like, so maybe, you know, all of a sudden your partner, you're like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So I love the visual of that. <laughs> For those of you who are just listening, you've got to see the visual on that. Um yeah, so so it, it does turn out that our sensitivities to smell, but even to touch evolve over the course of the life and can be impacted through hormonal changes. So, you know, a smell that used to turn you on now does the exact opposite, completely turns you off. Or now you find that you're much more attuned to certain smells than you were in the past. And, and that definitely can be hormonally mediated. Touch can be the same. So there are some women who say, you know, I used to love nipple stimulation. It used to feel so good. That was the gateway to becoming aroused. And then through peri and postmenopause, they find it aversive. 
it doesn't feel good anymore and actually turns them off or, or can be downright painful. And so you imagine a partner who believed that that was one of the modes of stimulation and, and um, eliciting her arousal now suddenly is confused by why this doesn't feel good anymore. So you, you almost can't talk about these sexual changes without also talking about what is communication in a partnership. If a person's in a, in a partnership, sex can happen many other ways outside of a, you know, monogamous relationship. But for people who are partnered, that becomes a really important Important, uh, it's almost like well. you have to relearn how to love with them. Is that yeah. what you're saying? You Or yeah. you might have to, right? Like it's almost like having, so I personally am divorced. So I'm in the dating world. Yeah. Um, so that is actually something that, you know, if you're dating somebody, you become intimate with them. You're sort of learning that. But, yeah. you know, if I was to hopefully one day be with somebody, you know, for longer, you say like things will change, yeah. which I didn't think of. But I, again, that makes sense, right? The same as when you're younger, you have to sort of teach that person how to love with you. So, right? sorry, yeah, does that bad. come then into the idea <laughs> of mindfulness? Is that part of mindfulness, like being where you where you are and present? Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it, Lana. Is you know, um, uh, attention to the present moment in a compassionate way. So it's about. Mm-hmm. harnessing the attention, fo- fo- deciding where you want to focus it on. Maybe it's the breath, maybe it's body sensations, maybe it's sounds, maybe it's something else, but then to do it non-judgmentally. And that I would argue is the much harder part, particularly for women and particularly for midlife women that are bombarded with judgments, often judgments from the outside world, but even self-judgment. So how do you be present um, with sensations in a non-judgmental way, doing things like saying, oh, my mind just took off. Let me gently guide it back to the here and now, as opposed to, oh, I knew I couldn't do this. I knew this skill wouldn't work for me. I hated yoga. You know, I'm I'm feeling hopeless that anything will ever help me that much more, more judgmental stance. So mindfulness is really, a, um, it's a practice and it's a set of skills that we can develop and hone and then bring into the sexual context, not just in the moment of, of having sexual activity, but um, how you kind of lead your life in a, in a very fully embodied sort of way. I mean, maybe it's just my own personal experience, but from having been that woman, a younger woman who was always up for it and was like, yeah, let's go uh, to being maybe not so there right now um mm-hmm. and and I kind mm-hmm. of like like I'm good with that you know what I mean so there I know that like a lot of people feel like maybe they shouldn't be like that but is that okay too if you're just in that space right right now and you're just like Meh. yeah so once we move away from the really narrow definition of sex which is intercourse a certain frequency you know once a week or twice a week once we abandon that really unhelpful definition, we start to value and prioritize things like quality over quantity. And so maybe if you're having a, um, a handful of, of really satisfying sexual encounters over the course of a year, that's far more, you know, it's going to fill your bucket a lot more than very frequent, unfulfilling or painful sex. The other thing is sex is so much more than penile vaginal intercourse. And in fact, for, for women, they'll often say that other kinds of stimulation well, feel a lot better, that actually something in the vagina. Well, I have that Tracy's that dog vibe. <laughs> you I, knew I was going to go there. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> so is this, 
I mean, you know, we heard a few years ago about some tantric sex, right? And people being, Sting and Trudy Styler. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> okay, you said it, not me. But this was a big thing, right? So when you're talking about mindfulness, I mean, I know what mindfulness is from the perspective of I try to be mindful in, you know, what I'm doing. And I also try to have a little bit of a meditation every day. But explain exactly your work and particularly your book, right? When you're talking, explain to people how mindfulness can actually translate into, you know, sexual activity. So um, indeed, what we're talking about is a set of, you know, maybe it's, as you pointed out, a formal practice where you set aside a certain amount of time every day. And maybe you're listening to a guide where whether it's, you know, two minutes or 45 minutes, but the guide is really guiding you through the steps of what are you focusing on? How do you manage a mind that's wandering and taking off? What sensations might you be um, uh, bringing your awareness to? How do you manage distracting thoughts, et cetera, et cetera? So that's really a formal mindfulness practice. With uh, you know, folks that have done a lot of this, they can actually do unguided practices. The data are fairly consistent, which tell us that women want to use these skills because number one, they're free. Like you really, you could learn mindfulness skills by jumping on YouTube. Um, they uh, help with more than just their sexual health issues. They notice improvements in their mood and their ability to manage, manage anxiety, um, et cetera, and that the effects are sustainable. So it just, it makes it a very appealing kind of treatment, not to mention there's a ton of science that support it. And in the domain of, of menopause care, unfortunately, what we've seen is um, you know, through the wellness industry is supplements and products that are not tested, not regulated, not safe being sold to um, desperate women who just, you know, they just want to feel better. I mean, supplement wise, a lot of things have not been tested. Are there any things that have been tested that might be useful? Or maybe it's even something more topical or something, you know what I mean? Um, something natural, like what, what would you recommend? Yeah. Good yeah. question. Very good question. Um, so, for, you know, for women who are interested, like make sure you ask the right questions. Uh, make sure that if someone recommends something that you, you know, do a little literature search or ask someone to help you with a literature search to even look at, has this ever been tested before? So when we look at some of the medical treatments, some of the um, dry vagina, dry sex, and the pain associated with that topical estrogen, which is estrogen that's either applied into the vagina as a cream or a tablet or a ring um, has been extensively tested and found not only to be effective, but very, very safe, even for survivors of cancer. Now, here is where if a person is interested, they really need to talk to their physician and find out sure. that risk benefit analysis. The Women's Health Initiative or WHI was a big study that was done in the early 2000s. And it was essentially to look at the safety of oral um, hormones, estrogen and progesterone in, um, in aging women. And, you know, the study was halted prematurely because of concerns about, uh, well, numerous aspects of health. But in reanalysis of all of those data, which experts have done over the last five years, what they've discovered is that the study was stopped prematurely, that actually um, uh, not just oral, but topical hormones can be very, very safe for women. Again, an individual woman has to talk to her physician about her own safety profile, but those are products that have been tested extensively and we know the safety profile and we know the, how, how well they work. So certainly for things like, um, 
pain with sexual activity, a topical, which means local, not, not ingested, not oral estrogen can be really, really safe. Where we get into danger zone is, you know, all the supplements and, um, you know, things that maybe have estrogen like products in them that we actually don't know the dosage that women are getting. So even phytoestrogens or black coho. Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, high levels of soy. That's a, that's a big thing. And there, there's some data that show that that can help with menopausal symptoms. But the problem with all of those is that we don't actually know the dosage that women are getting. So it's hard to know, well, is it even a safe, is it even a safe level? Lana and I have been talking a little bit about um, this idea of focusing on a raisin. Yeah, that's one of the things you mentioned. <laughs> <Can> you explain <laughs> in your talks. <laughs> we we want to know. We want to know. Could you explain the idea of you know just this focus and concentrating on the raisin? <laughs> what, what is a raisin? <laughs> yeah, as an introduction to mindfulness, it's a beautiful exercise because. Um, you know, you hand someone a plate of, of raisins and it's great if you can do this in a group format, whether it's online or face-to-face. Lana, we're doing this. Don't go away after we practice. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a raisin, but raisins do work really well. And you start with the raisin in your hand and then just fully bringing your visual attention to it. What do you see? What colors, what shapes, what contours, what happens when you move it around? And it feels really weird to be doing this exercise in the first minute because you sort of say to yourself, how is looking at a raisin going to help my (laughs) orgasms, people? (laughs) Bear with me. So, you know, you spend a minute or maybe two visually taking in the raisin and then you do the same thing with smell, bring it up to the nose and maybe close the eyes so that you're not thinking about the raisins, but you're letting the aromas come to your nostrils, come into the olfactory system of the brain and you're just receiving them just as they are. It's the foreplay. Well, (laughs) yes, you're jumping ahead, which again is what our minds do, right? So I'm going to bring you back to the raisin. I'm going to bring you back. But I love that because this is what our minds do. Our minds jump ahead. Like, why am I doing this? Get Get to the meat. Get me to the punchline. (laughs) Get to the meat. Um, And then, you know, you can do the same thing with touch. You can do the same thing with listening to it, rolling it beside your ears. And then you put it in your mouth without chewing. And an incredible thing happens as soon as you put it in your mouth. You salivate. You salivate. You haven't even chewed this thing. And the brain is already anticipating what's going to happen next. So it's preparing the body systems for, you know, salivation, digestion, moving it through your system, et cetera. And then, you know, as the minutes roll on, you slowly bite into it. But you just take one bite without chewing and you experience the aromas and the flavors, et cetera. And of course, all the while, the mind is taking off. It's asking yourself a million questions. This is silly. How is this helping? All of which is a really good practice ground for bringing the mind back to the sensations of the raisin. Then you swallow it. You notice the taste, the aftertaste, the echo of the aftertaste, and you just sort of rest in awareness. So as a first introduction to mindfulness, this exercise, which believe it or not, can take, you know, five to 10 minutes to ingest. I'm getting all hot and bothered just thinking about this. <laughs> right? Because um, I'm, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I never, it's very sensual, the raisin. Who knew, right? And then that is exactly when we, I mean, we've done this now with hundreds, if not thousands of women in our groups. The first question you ask them is like, what came up for you? And they will say things like, my mind was taking off. I was getting frustrated. I was getting bored. But then I also noticed, oh my gosh, this thing has so many colors and I never knew the shape of a raisin. And I never knew that it had, you know, 10 different flavors to it, what have you. 
And then the the second, so there's three questions we asked. That's the first one. What did you experience? And the second question is, how was eating the raisin in this way different than how you normally eat raisins? And they'll say totally different. Like I don't have, to, I eat, eat a five course meal in 10 minutes, not a single raisin in 10 minutes. Um, and then the third really important question is, how was this experience of ingesting the raisin in this way relevant to your sexual health? And, you know, so as you point out, it can teach you about anticipation. It can show you firsthand the brain body connection. It can show you the kind of natural habits of the mind that the mind takes off and the mind is judgmental and that we can bring the mind back to the here and now. And even if we think we don't have any ability to do that in this exercise, you can actually do that. Um, and so we always start with the raisin exercise because it's so, it's a, such a beautiful illustration of the power of mindfulness. And then I never have to convince people of mindfulness as a tool for sexual health. You do the mindfulness practice, you experience it firsthand, and then that personal learning compels you to practice more and then see the outcome on your sex life. So what I'm feeling now is that the myth of middle-aged um, celibacy is just certainly not true, but in your practice and the people that you see, and also in your research, it seems like there's the, obviously the, there's the environmental factors that affect people. There's the biological physiological factors. Um, and there's also just, I guess, all the other bits and pieces of our lives that are, you know, distracting us. And what you're sort of saying to us is it, it's totally possible we might have to, you know, seek advice from a doctor in terms of, you know, dryness and, you know, other issues. We have to be willing to communicate with the partner, right? We have to figure out kind of what works for us. And, you know, there's some shifts that are going on and to just sort of feel like, you know what, this is a good thing. And there's also these benefits that go on as well. So keep having sex is the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what an amazing summary you just gave. And, you know, so, so I often talk to women that never gave sex a second thought until yeah. they started to go through menopause, until they started to have pain or they started to struggle with other health issues, lack of concentration, being woken up and having a, having a hot flash during sex where they yeah. have to literally stop and, you know, go jump in the freezer and come back. So, um, you know, for, for some women that, that actually can be a, um, the kind of passageway to prioritizing and thinking about and nurturing their self-care for the first time ever in their life. So we're never too old to prioritize this aspect of health. And why is it important? Because it is a fundamental part of quality of life. If you were going to give us three takeaways um, for women middle-aged to sort of set themselves up for this, you know, continuing sexual lives and beings moving forward, you know, what would you say to us? Only three. Well, okay. You can give, um, let me, yeah. <laughs> you can give us more. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm going to start with one that might sound a bit basic, but make sure you're using a lubricant, have a lube, have it accessible, have it in the nightstand. Everyone should have one. Tip number two is, you know, sexual communication whether it's communication with a partner, with a family doctor, with your trusted tribe of girlfriends or what have you, once you um, once you truly believe that sexual health is a part of health in the same way that we talk about, you know, a, a broken leg or a headache or other things like that, then we start to have that conversation with with others. In particular, with a partner, I often 
hear people will say, oh, I've been with my partner for 20 years or 30 years and we've never talked about it before. It's so awkward. Like, how do you start talking about these things? You can say, I listened to a great podcast that talked about the health benefits of talking about sex with a partner, especially as we age and go through this kind of midlife transition. So um, the, the awkward, you can overcome the awkwardness. Anything that we do that's new and novel is a bit awkward, but it's so important to communicate around that. Also, because of if, if you're in a relationship, whether it's a short term or a long term one, trust me partners want you to feel good. They don't want to be doing things that feel painful for you, but without communicating to them or showing them how to, how to do that, they, they just won't know. And then, you know, if I were to just give a a last tip about mindfulness that, um, it, it is a skill. It doesn't come easily. Um, it's, it's a simple practice, but not an easy practice. But again, the data, tell of a fairly consistent and compelling story that when it comes to a lot of the midlife changes around pain and loss of desire and body image related judgments, difficulties with concentration, et cetera, mindfulness can, can be a really important tool in the tool belt to address many of those issues. And that doesn't um, negate the importance of having your healthcare provider team and having a good primary care physician uh, but mindfulness can be really, really powerful. Can we have, is it possible to have the best orgasm ever in middle age? Oh, I, I'm without words. <laughs> of course it is. It is, it, it, it completely, completely is. Okay. That was so fun. So informative. I have to say nothing better than having a psychologist who is also a sexpert at your disposal. You know, I had my own personal takeaway from it. And um, I think uh, this is homework I will enjoy doing, unlike some of my other homework I've had in many years. Lana's got homework to do. Gosh, there was so much to unpack in there. I think for me, I do find what happens to me in any kind of intimacy is that my brain starts thinking about other things and I have to redirect. I feel like that raisin exercise was... (laughs) I guess you can do it with other fruit. You could do it with any fruit, but I just think it's that or idea vegetable. of being present. <laughs> okay, no, please. Or yeah, <laughs> we've gone way off topic. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs>